This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Next up, lawmakers and a former justice minister are urging the government to impose new sanctions against key Iranian officials because of a sharp increase in human rights abuses this year. Erwin Kotler, the former justice minister, says we should sanction leading Iranian government ministers, judges, prosecutor generals, heads of prison who are responsible for the arrest, imprisonment, torture and execution of leaders at all levels of Iranian society, including some Iranian Canadians. Erwin Kotler wants to use Magnitsky law sanctions, which are the same sanctions that were used last month to charge 17 Saudi officials in the aftermath of the death of Jamal Khashoggi. So right now we go to the Honorable Erwin Kotler, who spearheaded the report. He's the former Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada, and he now serves as the chair of the Raoul Wallenberg Centre for Human Rights. Erwin, thanks for joining us. Good to speak with you. Okay, so uh, first of all... Um, how did you measure a spike in human rights abuses this year? You know, my understanding is uh, they they abuse human rights uh, every year. They have been abusing uh, human rights every year. And in fact, as a result of those abuses, uh, some eight years ago, we initiated an Iran Accountability Week in, uh, in Parliament uh, so as to unmask and expose uh, those abuses. But 2018 was almost an unprecedented year in terms of the escalation of the violations which targeted uh, the leaders of Iranian civil society in some 10 different uh, sectors. So you had, for example, the arrest and, and, uh, and imprisonment and torture and detention of environmentalists, which had not been a group that had been uh, singled out in the past. You had uh, increased uh, violence against uh, women. Uh, you had the singling out of journalists. Uh, you had more human rights lawyers and human rights defenders arrested in 2018 than in any uh, previous year. So what we're witnessing, as I said, is an intensified uh, escalation, which we're targeting uh, the leaders of all sectors of Iranian civil society. And uh, do you have a theory about why? I think in part it's due to the fact that there's a generalized uh, sense of uh, perceived indifference and inaction on the part of the uh, international community. Uh, We saw this uh, in the case of uh, Saudi Arabia, where, in fact, their human rights violations were being ignored, uh, which took us down the road uh, to the atrocious murder of uh, Khashoggi. Now, that uh, almost as horrific as that was, pales in comparison uh, to the massive uh, arrests, uh, imprisonment, uh, tortures and detention and murder of the leading uh, human rights 
the defenders and leaders of civil society in Iran, who I believe uh, may have been influenced by the fact that the international community, if it was not responding uh, to the uh, genocide uh, with the Rohingya, if it was remaining indifferent uh, with what was happening with regard to uh, Saudi Arabia and had been indifferent with regard to uh, the horrors in Syria, that they could continue to act uh, with impunity and not uh, find themselves accountable. And so we felt that the time had come to, in fact, expose uh, this escalation and to specifically uh, target the architects of repression who thus far have not been subjected to Magnitsky sanctions. I might add that uh, Canada has, uh, since the adoption of the Magnitsky legislation, subjected uh, leading Russians, Venezuelans, South Sudanese, uh, some Myanmar, uh, and the like, to Magnitsky sanctions, and more recently, 17 Saudi Arabians uh, involved in the uh, Khashoggi murder, but as yet to sanction uh, these architects of repression in Iran. So the convergence of the escalation of the massive repression in Iran and the fact that thus far uh, we have not yet sanctioned any of the architects of that repression uh, made it as timely as it was important on the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, a, a reminder of uh, these uh, right, fundamental rights that had been Irwin, violated uh, was the occasion for this. Erwin, um, can you tell me, you know, in previous years we have seen unrest in Iran. Uh, it, is there any particular reason at this moment why the regime might perceive itself to be under a particular threat? Well, I think that it, it might see itself as the object now of uh, sanctions uh, since uh, Trump had uh, withdrawn uh, from the uh, JCPOA, from the <coughs> nuclear uh, agreement, uh, or the agreement to prevent Iran from getting nuclear weapons. And they may have felt that uh, uh, the leadership may have considered itself to be somewhat under assault and rather than, in, in fact, uh, <coughs> move to alleviate the repression, they in fact intensified it. But as I said, believing that uh, the withdrawal from the sanctions by Trump had not generally, and in fact had not been supported anywhere else internationally, and therefore their impunity uh, could continue uh, because literally they have been getting these architects of repression have been getting away with murder. And I, I want to emphasize. I, I mean, we, just uh, you know, just as a thing, you know, my take would be that one of the reasons that the Saudis were getting away for it, uh, if, with with the things they were doing, is that they were seen as a a bulwark against Iran. They were seen and and uh, yes, as a bulwark against Iran. But I have to say that it wasn't. Only that it was, as I say, a gen what we've been witnessing has been a generalized indifference uh, and inaction uh, in the face of mass repression, not only in Iran, but a particular, you know, culture of impunity that underpinned it in Iran. I wanted to emphasize it because there's been some uh, uh, misappreciation of this, that we were not targeting Iran as in the, in the sanctions regime. We were targeting specific individuals that were the architects of repression in Iran and doing so on behalf of uh, the Iranian people who were the targets 
of that repression. So this was really a pro, if you will, Iranian people uh, action, standing in solidarity with the Iranian people against these architects of repression. Okay, Erwin, hang on. I want to get into this more about uh, what Canada is doing, what Canada can do. Uh, But first, we have to take another quick break. So please hold on, and we will be right back with more on this important issue. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm talking to the Honorable Erwin Kotler, former Minister of Justice and Attorney General, who now serves as chair of the Raoul Wallingberg Center for Human Rights. We're talking about a report about a spike in human rights violations and sanctions against key Iranian officials. And Erwin, uh, I'd like to get into uh, the case of some Iranian Canadians who are targeted with this. That's right. Uh, one of the things that we've asked for, in addition to uh, Magnitsky's sanctions on uh, the human rights violators, is for uh, the, the release uh, of uh, Iranian Canadians who are uh, under Iranian detention. Uh, th- this includes uh, Saeed Malikpour, a Canadian citizen journalist who's now in his 11th year of imprisonment in Iran. It includes uh, more recently uh, those involved in the uh, unjust persecution of a Canadian uh, Iranian environmentalist, Kabu Sayed Emani. He died under very suspicious circumstances in the notorious Avian prison, but his wife continues to be arbitrarily detained and is not being permitted to join uh, her family in, in Canada. It also includes a, uh, an Iranian-Canadian uh, student, Nilofar Bayani, who actually was a graduate of McGill University, and she's been held on uh, an alleged charge of espionage for 10 months now. So uh, we not only have called for their release, but the specific targeting of those responsible for their uh, detention, and also the freeing of political prisoners, uh, those that our Rao Wallenberg Center for Human Rights has taken up because they've had a Canadian connection, such as the iconic uh, women's human rights defender, Nasreen uh, Soutada, uh, who in fact received an honorary doctorate from York University some seven years ago for her courageous uh, human rights uh, defense, and she's been imprisoned a second time, and as we speak, is on a hunger strike that, knowing her commitment, uh, can take us down a very tragic uh, path. Uh, with regard to the Iranian Canadians, I mean, it, it seems that that regime doesn't recognize their Canadian passports. Well, in fact, we've seen, uh, in that sense, a, an intensification here, too, of the arrest and imprisonment of dual nationals. Uh, Canadians are one category, but we've seen that also uh, with regard uh, to U.S. uh, dual nationals, um, British dual nationals. So this is a a phenomenon uh, that uh, in the last decade in in particular has intensified. That is the arrest and imprisonment and holding hostage of dual nationals, and that phenomenon has now extended uh, to Iranian Canadians as well. Uh, Okay, so given all that, what would you hope to accomplish with these Magnitsky uh, sanctions? Well, we are hoping, you know, by sounding the alarm and expressing uh, the compelling need uh, for these sanctions, that that will put 
uh, these architects of repression on notice that they can no longer uh, conduct themselves with impunity. You know, we have a, an incredible situation where uh, several of them who were responsible for the mass murder of over four, uh, 5,000 Iranian dissidents in 1988, which the Canadian Parliament, in the unanimous motion, called a crime against uh, humanity, that those involved in uh, that mass repression and killing have actually been rewarded uh, for their uh, mass murder. Uh, that includes uh, people uh, like the present uh, Minister of Justice in Iran, the former Minister of Justice in Iran, etc. Those at the, in the leadership levels of Iranian uh, governance uh, who, as I say, not only have never been held accountable, but have in fact been rewarded uh, for their mass murder. Yeah, I mean, and you have a situation where, you know, Iran is basically backing Syria and endangering, I mean, the, the, the whole area. But um, No, no, you're right about that. I mean, really what we're seeing in Iran is, is a, a five-fold uh, Iranian uh, threat. There's the nuclear threat. There's the hegemonic regional aggression that you just mentioned, dramatized uh, by uh, Syria. There's the particular uh, in incitement to genocide, both against Israel and against their own domestic Baha'i uh, community. And there is, of course, you know, the massive uh, domestic repression, let alone the global uh, Iran as a leader of global terrorism. So it's a fivefold Iranian threat. We have singled out the uh, human rights one, because that is where the Iranian people are, in, in particular, uh, being the victims of this massive domestic repression and this particular threat. And, and again, so uh, what are you hoping will come out of this? Well, we are hoping, as I say, number one, uh, that the Canadian government will, in, in fact, uh, put these architects of repression on the uh, Magnitsky uh, list uh, so that they, their in, <coughs> criminality will no longer be uh, rewarded. Number two, we're hoping that this can lead to, with the Canadian government's increased uh, call for the release of Iranian Canadians that, uh, that I mentioned, uh, that this will bring finally uh, to justice those involved in the massive uh, domestic killings 30 years ago, whose impunity has been rewarded, as I mentioned, and also the freeing of political prisoners like Nasreen Sotadeh, the heroic women's rights defender. Those are four specific calls that we made uh, during uh, this uh, press conference and, and since, uh, and we trust that the Canadian government uh, will act now that there is a, a greater appreciation of who these architects of repression are, the massive uh, domestic repression that they've been engaged in, and the impunity that is accompanying it. Okay. Erwin Kotler, the former Minister of Justice and Attorney General and current chair of the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights, thank you so much for being with us. Good speaking with you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.